Hi, how's it going? You're listening to a strange podcast, and yeah, uh, we're gonna talk today about um, uh, Gaspar Noé. He's like Chilean, French Chilean, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. Or Argentinian, maybe something. Yeah, maybe it's Argentinian. I don't know. Yeah, French Argentinian. Yeah, it's funny to me because like Argentinians sometimes feel to me like they want to be Italians. <laughs> like oh, really? the food is kind of they say yeah. like they say like Buenos Aires is the Paris of South America. Is that what they say? <laughs> it's nice, but it's not that nice. I mean, it's there's a few other like sort of like colonial cities in South America mm-hmm. that are similar to Europe, but. Um, I don't know. It seems to me that when I've been to Buenos Aires, it's like, it's really nice, but there's some parts of town that can feel like like they're a little bit dirty and like not great. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I love like New York and New York basically is just... And it's very dirty. This this major shit stain, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I really like it. The food over there is like incredible. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I think he's French, uh, Argentinian. Plus, everyone is like a Lacanian. Oh yeah, in Argentina. Yeah, so they they got that going for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're <laughs> gonna talk about Enter the Void, which is. Have you seen all mm-hmm. of all of his other stuff? Like, uh, um, like I have not seen um, the one that came out last year. Ah, tip of the tongue. What's it called? Mm, climax. Party. Climax, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> party. <laughs> party. <Yeah. laughs> the yeah, one about a... the party. Yeah. Did I saw like Climax. It? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't see mm-hmm. Love. Love 3D or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that one? I watched some of it. I have to say, like, I do I do like Gaspar Noé, but, it, like, it depends. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think that, I think like, I went, when I watched Enter the Void the first time, I think I watched it in, like, 10 different goes because I was like okay this is too much for me right now but yeah yeah well I think that his strong suit is just the the the, the way that the films are like colored and I'm sure he's mm-hmm. like pretty involved in that because it has a very like peculiar look mm-hmm. but also just the camera movements and love yeah. seemed like it was kind of static and you know it didn't have as much like cinematographical candy yeah. eye candy <laughs> or whatever but um yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I thought this one was like pretty good. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. The he does, he yeah. does cool things. Like very, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is this is so unlike other films. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the obviously the opening credits get a shout out for being utterly. I don't know if "incredible" is the right word, but like something, a piece of art in and of themselves. Yeah. He kind of, you know what? He kind of reminds me of this, uh, this French, this French director. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know him. His name's uh, French Ovals, or maybe I'm saying the the word the word wrong. How's it spelled? It's like Max, and then O P H U L S. O P H U L S. Yeah. I'm gonna Google this. Max Ophelus or something like that. Maybe yeah yeah, but he's like Sorry. yeah he had like these very complicated crane shots and. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's right. what I love a about fools. a fool's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something. And yeah. loud on the U. Well, actually, it has, it's like a fool's. Yeah. I don't know, it's like what the IPA on uh, 
Wikipedia, which is always fun to like work out what it's saying. But anyway, he had this. He had this film called uh, Le Plaisir or El Placer. I don't know how to say. Uh, yeah, Le yeah. Plaisir. Yeah. And um, it has this incredible sequence where the camera's just like it starts off like ground level on the street, and then it starts telling the story of like different people in the building, and mm-hmm. you can see the camera like go up into like different rooms and. But it's just like these very, very intricate shots. And I remember I was like super into into that kind of stuff, like when I was, I don't know, like 10 years ago or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, just like long, like long shots. Um, like the opening shot of uh, the Hitchcock shot. Of, uh, uh, the bombing place. Gosh, my brain is not functioning today. Rope. No. Rope is meant to be like one shot, like the whole movie. Uh, hang on a second. Or maybe Touch of Evil, but that's not Touch that's of Orson. Evil. Touch oh, of yeah. Evil. That's yeah, that's uh, Orson Welles, I think. Is it? Gosh, that's yeah. me being terribly, um, terribly un, un um, what's the word? <laughs> <laughs> Uncinephilic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like go. the yeah, the, Orson Welles. Interesting. The Copacabana shot and Goodfellas, or some mm-hmm. and Boogie Nights as well. Mm-hmm. It goes like underwater and shit. Anyway, yeah. um, um, I was going to say about the Max. Of, well, he's Max Oppenheim is his real name, and it looks like it's Offuls or something like that in German. Yeah. But yeah, no, interesting. He did his first film was called I'd Rather Have Cod Liver Oil. <laughs> yeah. Why not? But you haven't seen any of them. There's some no, stuff on Criterion. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think I have. Maybe I haven't. Have didn't you know? Know it was him. But yeah, interesting. But um, yeah. So you said that you watched Enter the Void, and it was like you had to do it in sessions. Yeah, was it just that like too, too intense. Or what? <laughs> yeah, too intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It is an interesting one. I thought um, uh, it would be fun to talk about the Aldous Huxley school of thought of like portals into truth via things like. LSD, mushrooms, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. And like theoretically where you stand on all of that stuff and yeah. uh, what you think about it. Yeah. Um, what did you, well, we talked about the master last time mm-hmm. and there was this, mm-hmm. there was this line from Amy Adams when she's talking to Joaquin Phoenix and he was, and mm-hmm. she was like, you just can't take life straight, can you? And, yeah. you know, he, of course, he's just like, whatever, like, yeah, of course I can. He's just like immediately repressing any any kind of like castration that he has. Mm-hmm. But do you think that do you think that drugs are sort of an escape from life for people that perhaps like can't can't take uh, life straight or and, and, and if so, like, should drug use be condoned for people that maybe just like have too much depression or too much anxiety or just can't seem to fit into it or should life sort of be taken you know admitting your own castration and like uh facing life with dignity um without the aid of escape interesting i think i am agnostic about all drugs and all escapism because <laughs> yeah. ultimately it doesn't lead anywhere mm-hmm. um but yeah, it just it just doesn't. And um, it's funny things like uh, hallucinogenics. Do you call them hallucinogenics? Is it hallucinogenics? Hallucinogens? Hallu- what's the what's the collective 
now term I think, for I think it's hallucinogenics that sounds right yeah um I don't okay so I think there's like a this maybe war like that it warrants like maybe the entire podcast because mm-hmm. I think there's like a it's like a really um multifaceted thing the yeah. notion of uh drug use in relation to whether it's positive negative or neither and yeah. where what the implications are theoretically um and why people have this uh, desire to believe that looking behind the curtain is somehow generative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So firstly, maybe we should talk about looking behind the curtain, quote unquote, as if there is some kind of truth to be found behind the curtain. Well, I, it seems to me then that you're talking about like, like 60s it's like non-recreational drug use because i think the whole thing about like you know timothy leary and all of them Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. their whole thing was like we can try to find some sort of backdoor to Mm -hmm. life or to existence in Mm -hmm. which we can find the we can form a new form of of subjectivity right yeah 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 um but there's like, isn't there a split between that, which it seems to me like that was a failure, uh, mm-hmm. like the 68 thing of like drug use and trying to find like this new form of existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it sort of got demoted to just recreational, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like drug use where, you know, you use it to like escape life or whatever. Is that yeah. what you mean? Okay. So, um, yeah, there's the question of the utilitarian side of, you know, things like dopamine, getting a massive dopamine dose and how that affects kind of like uh, mental health questions or health in general. But then there's like a quote unquote transcend- transcendental question and whether um, A, having a trans- transcendent experience is anything more than an experience and B, why... Or is it possible or does that have any impact in real life, conducting one's real life? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I hate to do this, but um, just to, to get a better understanding of like what you're asking, yeah. can, I, can I ask yeah. you a, another question? And I hope it, it's, it. like, it's, it's like connecting for it. It's connecting to it. But <laughs> going like... Going like via Lacan, uh, sorry, uh, Hegel Mm -hmm. with this. um, Do you think maybe that, so there's this thing of like, you know, we can gain clarity or whatever. Like there's Mm -hmm. this thing, there's this thing that we can gain a sort of like uh, maybe a bird's eye view or, you know, like becoming or becoming one with the sort of like the big Mm -hmm. other or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe the whole thing is that there is actually there's nothing out there and it's not that it's not that there's people that take drugs or drink or whatever and then there's people Mm -hmm. that don't uh do you think that Mm -hmm. there's actually like a sober subject at all like does that even exist or is everybody high on some kind of thing whether it's a practice yeah no i think yeah no i you're absolutely right i mean people sublimate in all kinds of ways they really really do but I do think that hallucinogenics do provide people with an experience that either, let's say, possibly 
is transcendent uh-huh. or seems like it is and that that like um you know because yeah you you can you can feel like say if you run a marathon you can feel some kind of um plus in terms of your experience some kind of like charge to your experience it's more than just running a marathon or having children or whatever but it's definitely like in terms of what you see when you take drugs like mushrooms and stuff mm-hmm. it can definitely feel like there is something behind the curtain like there are gods and things like that there's something more than just material reality and do you think maybe there's a dialectical way in which you can take drugs like that like mm-hmm. mushrooms or whatever something that's supposed to open like the third eye or, <laughs> or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. in an atheistic yeah. way where yeah yeah i think i think i think so yeah absolutely which is interesting Sorry. because maybe maybe that is that is even more like a sort of like a valor and there's a virtue mm-hmm. to that where you're close to the promise of there being like a big other and something mm-hmm. that guarantees a sort of meaning but mm-hmm. um you resist it and you even sort of like are completely immune to it mm-hmm. yeah but via yeah, like that right it's interesting because I was talking to somebody just the other day about whether you know the, the likes of mushrooms should be made legal because maybe people have positive experiences and I was like I just don't think so because I think people okay people are free to do whatever they want obviously within the realms of like I'm not dictating anything to anybody but I think that people could get really really fucking convinced mm-hmm. that there is like stuff there mm-hmm. um, and obviously people get different things out of different experiences you know yeah but um i think i per my personal uh approach is um i mean this is me being like i'm i'm like a dialectical materialist what can i say yeah (laughs) but i've had various experiences in my life um but yeah no i think i think that my basically my point is okay right you might see visions and stuff like that but like so what i mean if the visions were worth anything why don't we see visions in real life mm-hmm. yeah like, it's not yeah we, we live in the real world like so fucking what if you feel like an angel has touched you like so you have to wake up and have breakfast every morning <laughs> and go to work mm-hmm. so you, do you know what i mean like even if it is real which it isn't like why yeah but it's funny because that yeah um obviously for a neurotic it's very tempting to believe that there is this one possible oneness but -hmm. like why do you want the fucking oneness like what's that for well it doesn't exist that's why people want it right well it doesn't exactly exactly that's true but then even if it did exist why would you want it yeah i mean i don't think well actually i mean that's the whole question of existence (laughs) that's the whole question of death i mean it's it i don't think it's thought (laughs) through thought through enough and actually if there was a big other like or or this this guarantee like it would be a nightmare because we would never be able to actually connect with it at all we could get glimpses of it or we could see traces of it in a trip or whatever but Mm -hmm. ultimately i don't think that Mm -hmm. it would even be it's like this uh wittgenstein thing where he talks about like you know if 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 lions could speak it wouldn't matter because we wouldn't be able to understand them anyway or what they what they were saying it's mm-hmm. like desire of course would still be a part of the big other and uh mm-hmm. 
I mean, at least in relation to us, because that's the way that we understand anything at all is through desire and language. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's precisely like like you know, um, language is is a la it's like this the the ultimate signifier of lack, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and we're constituted in, in language or structured by it. So mm -hmm. uh, it, we would never be able like that's the way that we understand things and if, if there would be some kind of rupture or a breakthrough it would be outside of language because it couldn't mm -hmm. come through language because it's finite and it's like there's there's this hole in it right um mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah 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 and the other thing i, I want to ask you is like do you think that if drugs were like or let's say mushrooms were like legalized mm -hmm. or whatever um do you think that they would they would lose some of their promise um That's a good question because obviously there's the whole there's the whole um, the prohibition uh, thing, yeah, prohibition thing, augmenting desire. But then there's actually like the material what they materially what they chemically do to your brain and what you see and what you experience. So yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's the other thing I was just thinking about. I'm not I'm not like an expert at all about the Tim Timothy Leary what he was doing. I have not researched that at all. Well, LSD uh, but, mostly yeah. LSD stuff because. And it related to like the 68 thing and like a possibility for like a different different world and everything. Mm -hmm. So, because basically, like one thing that I would say is not in a sort of spiral dynamic sense. I don't know if you know about that stuff, yeah. but like different different period different periods have different questions to be answered. Mm -hmm. So basically, the stuff that was being explored as questions in 68 are just like so inappropriate for now yeah so i, I wonder whether so you do a trip now and you have different answers to different questions you know yeah. but like yeah i don't know it, it just like all the stuff about dissolving subjectivity the other thing so this is another thing that really annoys me about the behind the curtain thing it's like so why do you want to see but you know things like where does it end up a lot of the 68 stuff or hippie stuff ends up in like this fucking manifestation question in questions of power and dominion over others in like changing the matrix to your desire i suppose like any religion can have that side like you pray that you have things and you believe that god will give you stuff do you know what i mean yeah, yeah but yeah. i feel like a lot of like that this looking behind the curtain things it's like well why do you want do you want to look behind so you can have some kind of like el dorado <laughs> you know magical source of power and dominion over your reality yeah or are you just doing it to have a nice experience you know like because i guess that's why you know part of the reason why freud so vehemently cut off jung because mm -hmm. it all became a question of you know like the jordan peterson self-help stuff re-jung rather than just like accepting ordinary unhappiness in real life it's like you can dive into some kind of like past life regression to fix things and then become whatever or like find ways of twiddling with your unconscious because your unconscious wants like ultimate wondrousness for you in your material and you just have to listen to it yeah. i saw somebody on instagram posted a young quote today that was like something about your unconscious you know and how it seems to be some kind of like benefit uh you know as if it's some like 
ben- what's the word my my brain and language today are just completely <laughs> off the rails but um mm. you know it, it's like a benefit it wants to help you basically yeah it's like uh a, yeah like an aid or something like that well let me an a- aid yeah exactly well exactly. well let me ask you this i'm, I'm being very I'm being very Christ-like today. I'm, I'm like oh. answering questions <laughs> with questions or whatever. No, <laughs> no but uh, don't you think that, well, going back to the court, the curtain thing. Um, Ooh, you said court. Court, what Freudian slip. No, no, it wasn't a Freudian <laughs> slip. It was, it, it, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I'm immune to that Freudian slip. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I was going to say, um, <laughs> isn't the fact that there is a curtain... Yeah, constitutive of subjectivity. Like, it is, yeah. And the yeah, more, no, absolutely. And the more that the curtain is present, and the more that you can imagine mm-hmm. that there's something behind it, mm-hmm. um, the more interesting life is. Like the less that you see, the more that you can. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's I nothing mean, behind, but this sort of like, uh, I don't know. It's like. There, the promise is there, but you almost kind of ignore it, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you know what I find really funny? Um, just like obviously the contradictions that are present and everything, but like what I love to dislike in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing pointing out all the contradictions. That, well, obviously, like contemporary feminism, like has taken on the idea of like the veil as like a feminist choice. But the veil in in like is the Islamic tradition is an interesting one. Re women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, if you see behind the veil, then well, it's, it's disappointing. Like your Christmas it's like... <laughs> present, it's always disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess I have a question for you. How does one exist knowing that there's nothing behind the veil? How does one? I guess this is the question we always ask ourselves. Like, how do? Yeah. Well. Or can we ever convince ourselves that there's nothing behind the veil? Do we always? Is that just always the illusion that like? I mean, it's just like, um, so Elaine Badu talks about this via Paul and because mm-hmm. Paul has this thing, it's just like through the, uh, through the looking glass, uh, not the, yeah. not the Lewis Carroll thing, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- so like there's this basically like this warp, uh, that is made by the, um, the promise of something else that, mm-hmm. that it, there's nothing behind it, but nonetheless desire towards it warps reality Mm -hmm. so um like how do we live with the knowledge that there's nothing behind i think that you know people are cynical like they already know that there's nothing behind and they live either way or anyway yeah 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 yeah. so i guess it's like to me the answer would be that you know how do we live knowing that it's just like well just the same the same as always (laughs) because you know there's not are we really learning anything new? And Zizek talks about this thing when it, when when the whole Assange thing came out, uh, the Julian mm-hmm. Assange thing and the Panama Papers or whatever. It's yeah. just like, okay, yeah, yeah. like, did we really learn anything new? And no, we yeah. we didn't. It was just like mm-hmm. all of our expectations of like how uh, about corruption and people that are in control and that there is sort of like the, the top 1% of top 1%. Um, you know, it's nothing new. And we always expected it. And I think people live like that, unless you're psychotic, yeah. <laughs> in which case you can believe in something that, you know, and, and you're unwavering in that sort of like uh, commitment to it. But mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that it's like a big sort of deal 
uh, or a, or a deal breaker that we <laughs> for the for the ninety five percent of neurotic people. Yeah, yeah. No, I just think that like yeah. Uh, is it really a big surprise that there's nothing behind? I mean, even when it came to even when it came to like old Jewish traditions, it's like and and Peter has talked about this, but it's like the veil, you know, like the the, the ruptured veil is like. It's not that they were guarding against the, uh, some kind of power that was behind. It's like they were they were protecting themselves from the fact that, yeah, there's actually nothing behind. But we have this symbolic sort of split that allows mm -hmm. us to, to continue living our lives as if there was something. You know? But do you think this is but like cynical, potentially yeah. where, you know, like in Enter the Void, the ultimate disaster that is the main character's life, and also, let's say, contemporary capitalism, which, as Mark said, everything that is sacred is profaned. You know, like as in liberalism, what it has done is it has brought gods down to earth and it has like literally exposed the secret behind that there's nothing behind anything and yet obviously we continue but it's there's something really traumatic about that and I think I've said this like a gazillion times but that I think that me too is not a response to actually to sexual assault it's a, it's a response to feeling perpetually violated in uh in our contemporary culture because which is a, a universal gesture it doesn't belong to you know, people that might oh, call me, out me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly, exactly. It's like, it's literally, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, yeah, damn fucking right. That's, that is the way, not like, oh, everybody is sexual assaulting people and that's terrible. It's like, no, that is, you, you've put your finger on something that is completely there. Yeah. And one does feel very, as in, so basically, this liberalism post-68 has like, I think it's a real example of what you were saying. Yeah. Um, and to repeat, so everything that was sacred is profaned. Mm -hmm. Like women's tits on display, every free the nipple, da 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 yeah. da. You know, everything is just out there. And yet, of course, capitalism is at its like absolute height. Yeah. Um, and yet, yeah, we still engage in it. But like, there's something very horrendous and like um, traumatic about having that answer rubbed in your face constantly. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of, and. Uh, I think it's like a quick aside, but it's like also uh, familiar to the movie because there's a bit of mm -hmm. like sex work in the movie. Yeah. But Anna from Red Scare was, was talking yeah. about sex work and the fact that there's this movement where sex workers want to, I don't know, they want, they want their work to be recognized as such, right? And, yeah. um, but it, there's this sort of like irony to it because it's mm -hmm. it's like okay what's what's the big deal about it it's not you know it's not like it's not like this great thing to graduate into your work being recognized because work fucking sucks and you're still being exploited and it's like yeah welcome to the club you know like go ahead <laughs> it's not like we're doing any better on this other side um, mm -hmm. there's still this like alienation element to it it's still kind of a nightmare and you mm -hmm. still feel estranged from from your essence or whatever through work and and it 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 sort of puts this whole um existential hologram or whatever in front of you that allows you to think that if you work a little bit harder or if you gain a little bit more meaning or like through your work it's like you're going to find some kind of super success story and even but even if you do find what is like termed in society as like you know extremely successful sort of life mm -hmm. 
there's still a big lack of, like at the center of it so I do I have so many things to say about this and I'm literally not an expert but I know a lot of people engaged in both sides of the debate we're gonna get um, called but, out by Liara Rue or whatever it's like, just, well yeah. I feel like I could I can be nice to everybody involved in this debate because I feel like everybody is right mm -hmm. But one thing I would say that I think is quite funny in terms of like the ultimate feminization of everything and that capitalism is not a patriarchy. Capitalism results in the destruction of what might have been once the patri patriarchy by definition. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it is, in fact, the precise opposite. Um, no, but the interesting thing is that back in the day, you know, the, the like the female... Um, the female kind of sex worker was like absolutely the most disdained figure in society. But what, what is she now? But like an utter girl boss. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, do you think that like, um, Peter, well, Peter Rollins has talked about this before. Where it's like, um, uh, uh, drinking or alcoholism or addiction is not, mm -hmm. it's not, um, it's not a problem. a problem. Yeah, it's like the yeah. solution to your problems. Do you think yeah. that the patriarchy is like the solution to the problem of capitalism or like the existential? I've literally said this so many times. <laughs> <laughs> right now? Yeah, no, I've literally said this so many times. I don't know. This is very strange, but I've always said that that like the, f the traditional familial structures mm -hmm. are not the problem. They're the solution to the problem. Yeah. Like duh, just so it is the alcoholism to to the depressed person yeah. is the patriarchy or the f traditional familial structure to the capitalism. Yeah. So it's just so funny that like people, it's like, yeah, okay, well, let's just say whatever criticism of that structure is valid, but it's not valid for the reasons that are being uh, purported by neoliberalism. Neoliberalism wants the destruction of the family. Hello, yeah. we're all going to be fucking individual agents, like wired into a fucking machine. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, literally, and this is where- Of course, I, it's not I, a legitimate solution. It's this yeah, sort of but it messy is a, attempt that, that is yeah, appealing to this- Contingent like, yeah. solution. Mm -hmm. Like, hello. <laughs> Like, uh, oh, I know I've said this so many times and um, yeah, no, I absolutely like, yeah, I absolutely, it's, it's the solution. It's, it's a, it's a messy solution. It's like a, a bad solution, but it's a solution nonetheless or an attempt to solution. Um, the quote unquote patriarchy or traditional familial structures whereby a man, or the funny thing hierarchy is hierarchy in general. Um, potentially, yeah. I mean, I haven't thought about hierarchy in general as much as as like traditional, let's say middle-class familial structures, because of course what people always forget is that working-class women have been working in fucking factories literally forever. Um, so it's uh, like I mean, I just mean like, I, I don't necessarily think that maybe there can't be hierarchy mm -hmm. that is radically different, yeah. but hierarchy in the face of capitalism yeah. is always going to be this type of hierarchy yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, a solution. Yeah. Well, it's funny because- uh, A faulty solution. I think it's interesting that you say um, hierarchy in relation to familial structures because like everybody is fucked by capitalism. Like there's no fucking winner. Do you know what I mean? It's like the mm -hmm. man who has to, the 1950s house, uh, not, I was gonna say house husband, but man of the house who has to earn, you know, that he's also fucked. Like he's not free or anything like that. Um, but yeah, no, it, I think it is a clumsy, a clumsy attempt at dissolution. Um, in the face of capital, yeah, and yeah. capital, capital is currently winning. But it, you know, so the, the, I think it's just really interesting that that like the sex work debate is such a um, has taken on 
such importance right now um and i can kind of understand um both sides of the argument and of course like if you are a materialist in like a marxian sense like of course the only surplus is the only like uh, antagonism is surplus value so the work question is like i think you just be like haha what is this like stupid thing like of course why are you arguing this but then i think the thing is that from the perspective of the sex workers there is this notion that potentially within the structure of what they're doing can be found new ways of doing things or new ways of looking at work as such um mm-hmm. but i'm not sure like how much i 100 percent agree with that um and i not having had experience in sex work can't really claim to know anything about it but i i think where just my friends who are on that side of the argument i think that's where they're kind of coming from i think also from the like traditional marxist perspective as well there's a question of well in every industry there are winners and losers and are we listening to a perspective on it who are the winners as in the one percent of that industry who have a really great time yeah so uh what you're saying is that like there's this sort of if the work is considered or recognized as legitimate, there are there's an advantage to that. Well, I know I think there's this idea that um, potentially because of the way that sex work has had to be conducted, um, yeah, that there is like a quote unquote revolutionary potential in that, in the sense mm-hmm. that um, there might be a potential to see work in different ways or to empower different kinds of people or by the nature of fantasy itself. It can't yeah. be capitalized on in the same way as other work and all this. There's loads of questions there. And I think that's probably legitimately true. Just like with feminism, there was in the early days, this universalist potential to it. But I don't mm-hmm. necessarily hold hope that any um, liberal movement ultimately isn't capitalized. Like like for me to completely buy into it, I'd have to accept that like it was in 100% in a universalist project, not just like a bourgeois project yeah 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 i think that's interesting mm-hmm. but yeah like do you, I, I'm, do you... it hasn't yet been capital well maybe it is being capitalized on now by the nature of like where the debate is going but like there's always revolutionary potential you know <laughs> i guess yeah 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 but um oh man that's that's interesting i mean i i'm still like trying to figure out what is the difference between like work the the sort of the pursuit of meaning through work mm-hmm. under capitalism mm-hmm. what would be the difference between that and the pursuit of meaning through work under socialism yeah i know it's an interesting or one communism i mean i guess the question the thing is that like if one is liberated from or has one's death drive lessened one can naturally be more productive and capitalism is just a man a market manifestation of death drive yeah but isn't the pursuit of meaning at all uh sort of a pursuit of yeah death drive? no it, it, this is the i think this is literally the question and again like talking about the idea of the veil is it just because okay so capitalism as todd mcgowan argues in capitalism and desire is not natural, yeah. but a but a like uh, an outgrowth of our unnatural subjectivity. So yeah, 
which is where you get the right wing misunderstanding that it's like oh it's like evolutionary psychology at play you know yeah. or it's like the mm -hmm. selfish gene or whatever um but i guess so therefore you know this idea of okay let's say capitalism we had a new for a social formation but our subjectivity is the same yeah would it look similar because of the nature of our subjectivity being the same yeah yeah let me well actually i was thinking about this because you were talking about like jordan peterson mm -hmm. and that he was doing this jungian thing yeah um so jung was like trying to find the big other right mm -hmm. in so many words mm -hmm. um but i don't even think that jordan peterson is really like a union like he was asked a question the other day because um i was listening to to um a video that that uh that he did and they were asking him about corporations or something and like oh yeah they asked him what he thought about the new gillette video and he was like i hate it and of course you know he, he hates it but uh he was like i would rather my corporations be not his but you know i would rather corporations be um what was the word that he used um conniving or mm -hmm. something or something like that <laughs> like just cynical. Than virtuous yeah 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 just yeah. cynical and then virtuous mm -hmm. okay um that's completely like out of line it, it kind of hit me at, the, at that point it's just like okay jordan peterson i think like his whole thing is that you know he wants to be able to navigate the world as it is mm -hmm. without changing the, it yeah without without anything like to hope for yeah yeah um beyond it so that's all that's totally completely like at odds with what Jung was trying to do yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. his project but um do you think that there's a sort of cynical thing to it there yeah, that yeah um, so it's interesting i was literally having a debate with a friend the other day about jordan peterson and i feel like i said something that could potentially have some insight to it which is that jordan peterson is providing the 12 steps as in his 12 rules for life without step zero yeah so yeah there's like no there's no questioning there's no mm -hmm. ultimate questioning at, that happens yeah, at step like a, zero like a zero like a zero level sort analysis. of analysis yeah so this yeah. is why he's just not he's not a psychoanalyst like there's no there's no analysis at play like really it's all just yeah. uh, the the analysis takes the system at face value and asks how can i uh engineer or or yeah engineer the world that i see on its surface level for my own dominion and then any question of the unconscious is not actually the unconscious it's the quote unquote made up fucking subconscious <laughs> you know <laughs> which yeah. is like basically your inner thoughts or your inner desires <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like it's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. unconscious at all um mm -hmm. but yeah no there was something I was going to say about Jordan Peterson. But yeah, no, I feel like Jordan Peterson, is, he's, he's in the wrong fucking decade. You know, and like, okay, so talking about dialectics. Yeah, he was meant to be sort of like a, like a, like a, well, yeah, like a doormat to like Fukuyama or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the thing yeah. is, it's like, um, and I love the way he like was, I don't know, maybe he hasn't, but people like diss on Foucault all the time as being postmodern. You're like, uh-huh, right? Yeah. You guys are like buddies. Anyway, um, the point being that he's answer he's uh, he's answering the wrong questions, but he is like a he is 
he is the you know the symptom of neoliberalism like as in the reaction formation he is a pure reaction formation against the other side of the nonsense (laughs) which is yeah yeah. which which is the notion of all of it is sacred is profaned you know um Mm -hmm. which also doesn't work yeah so that's really good and i guess like relating this back to enter the void (laughs) it's actually a really genius title we've strayed far from home we've strayed far from home um yeah is that okay Okay, well uh look behind the curtain or don't look behind the curtain you'll be miserable (laughs) no but the point being is like um the 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 side of it is that's all you know okay i can take the hallucinations at their at their kind of um aesthetic value of kind of like niceness or having a nice experience or like um, make it making those events sacred for for the sake of pure waste, but that actually you just have to return to the real world eventually. But yeah. then you do need your outlets. You do need your outlets because humans require waste. Otherwise, you destroy yourself. If you don't destroy yeah. something else arbitrarily, you will. If you don't have your days <laughs> of feast, you'll binge eat mm-hmm. against your will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think that Enter the Void is like a religious movie? Like, does it believe too much? And I mean, or is it completely cynical? Because it mm. or or pessimistic? Because it has like this. It's very nihilistic yeah, to me. Yeah, it is very nihilistic, he, isn't it? Yeah. Because he dies, but the yeah. af- the afterlife is like first of all, completely earthly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, there's like this like this eternal longing, where yeah. you're like yeah you're stuck in this this sort of celestial body that can move around but uh-huh. it's basically just to experience the pain of life from afar yeah um yeah no it definitely it definitely is not positive and i think everything from the depiction of like the the aesthetics of the film itself is very kind of pleasantly unpleasant like it's very like i find it difficult to watch um, we haven't really talked about the obvious Freudian sibling relationship, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's for another time. But like, there is like a horror to this like mystical aesthetic, you know, yeah. this like <laughs> womb like. It's it, it's funny because it you it's it's like perspectival, but it feels really horrible and detached. You know, it's funny yeah. we're talking about. Um, uh with the just a quick just i just want to say something really quick yeah. before we move on uh there's this really funny comedian uh for god uh brandon wardell i think is his name okay and uh just as a quick preface there's like when i was a kid and i was growing up in like fundamentals fundamentalist christian sort of church they used to tell you this thing and i think this was started by like chick tracts mm-hmm, i don't know mm-hmm, if you've heard about mm-hmm. these but anyway uh they're like evangelizing sort of like comics or whatever and there was just like whenever somebody would die they would go to heaven or this like in between place and then there was like a movie theater like mm-hmm. fucking cinemark or whatever yeah and then they would sit down and all of their family and friends were just like there sitting next to them and they watched his life like mm-hmm. play back and and particular focus was being given to the embarrassing parts, like whenever the person sinned or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, just don't 
don't sin because like you know your parents and your grandma is going to be able to see it in in the movie theater the celestial movie theater or whatever and um yeah i thought that was really funny because this this comedian goes like oh yeah it's like that would be really stupid because it's like you know you you die and then you get to heaven and you you live like a like a decent life and then you know you're with god and it's just like so what's up god what are we gonna do just like eat some pizza or whatever and he's like no we're just gonna watch your grandson jack off for eternity <laughs> so it's just like i don't know there's like this whole thing of just like you go back to this complete grime of mm-hmm, life and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know it's <laughs> there's like something profoundly sort of atheistic yeah no there uh, really that, is you know? there really is i know um i can't remember what i was gonna say but yeah no it's really yeah it, it is it, it so we talked about um kubrick eyes wide shut and like the horror yeah. of subjectivizing someone else's fantasy it's like the horror of experiences someone else experiencing someone else's trip it's like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's What did so you think about... That's like it is. What did you... Have you ever looked into this whole, uh, the Tibetan book yeah, of the, the dead, dead or Yeah, 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 yeah. What well, I haven't, think, what? I haven't looked into it, but I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you? No, no. I, I mean, I'm... I'm not even... I yeah. can't get the wherewithal to even be interested in it. No, but. no, no. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I just... And I think this is maybe like a failing on my part but no matter how many mystical quote-unquote experiences i have i can't buy into them being real yeah and also i feel like well because it would it would cause some kind of break in yeah no it would Um, it would it would the other the other thing that i have so i have this thought about um people including myself who I is well documented on this podcast, my brief flirtation with Jungianism is like, okay, talking mm-hmm. in like a completely material sense. Often what happens is uh, that somebody achieves something. There's like a miracle that occurs and they believe, you know, that it's just, they, they want to be able to achieve it again and like uh, create these experiences. So to like ritualize to it, to ritualize it. Yeah. Um, because obviously the trauma of the contingent, movements of the universe is more traumatic than thinking like i mystically made this occur but the funny thing is there's obviously yeah. death drive in that because as soon as you like start believing in all this like mysticism stuff mm-hmm. you actually lose touch with reality and screw up your own life so you actually yeah. get what you want <laughs> in the end <laughs> which is yeah. um something to grind against in order to be able to start again because it's more traumatic yeah. to get what you want basically so the point yeah. is you are ritualizing the contingent movements of the universe that brought you quote unquote what you want but in order to gain distance from it again you have to like fuck up your life and doing mm-hmm. it in a mystical kind of way is like a great way to do it becoming a yeah. hippie is a great way to do it because you will ruin your life yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i love that anyway that's like you... so super super dark i feel like well i don't know if it's dark compared to the sort of like blind pursuit of hoping that there's something. Yeah. You know? Maybe we um, should talk about, um, I, I don't know, I feel like uh, the work of genius that was written in the 1920s in response to kind of a form of liberalism, which is The Great Gatsby, is has this like really enigmatic ending and people have people have read it as a book on the side of hope. 
as in yeah. like the final line is like we beat against some as in like you know it's it, this idea that like well uh, you could there are people who have read it read it as a book of hope but i think it like obviously isn't that i yeah. mean it basically it's the book of like well keep it's all shit but anyway keep wearing the little boat i will have to read the yeah. passage again but like it's very it's a very dark book and to get the fact that it's a book of hope is kind of like very i think it's yeah. quite a reach <laughs> considering that like i've never read it woman gets r mowed down by the upper mid the upper middle class woman yeah yeah it's very good you can read it in like, a couple <laughs> of hours yeah i never read it i was like um in in high school they had me reading fucking uh ray bradbury and uh you know Ray Bradbury, right? Mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. Ray Bradbury is like the product of like um, uh, the U.S. sort of like desperate to have a classic that is like uh, family friendly or whatever. But it's like it, I I don't know. It seemed like he either had like a really good agent, yeah, not too controversial, and also, uh, you know, what the fuck is that like? He he's worried that books are going to end. Of course, they're never going to end. And besides, what are books other than like reading? And reading is never going to go away. It doesn't matter if we change from books to tablets iPads or or, yeah. uh, or tablets or whatever. It's just like yeah. so. It, the book the book just doesn't make sense at all to me. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it, it's funny. People I think are never going to stop reading and of... or learning. So so yeah um, yeah I don't know. I, it never made sense to me. Interesting. But anyway, I feel like uh, there's one thing is that a, this is a sh go for it. Yeah. Sorry, there's just one thing that I actually just realized uh, in relation to asking the question of like, do you think Enter the Void is like a mystical religious film? Um, and it made me think of Terence Malick, and we really need to uh, do an episode on Terence Malick. Um, oh yeah. Thought. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So sorry. Let's you do that next time. Okay. Yeah. We should do that next time. We should do it next time. We will do an episode on Terence Malick, a variety of films. Asking the question, <laughs> is he a Christian? All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> he most yes, definitely is. Yeah, he I is definitely so. is 100%. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, like, is he a Hegelian Christian or is he like a... Nah, he's evangelical. Evangelical, yeah. yeah I think, so. I think, <laughs> I think so. he's like, evangel like uh, I don't know, at least with Tree of Life. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. I, it's funny. Like, All of my I, evangelical friends love that movie. I know. Like, Americans love it. Yeah. I feel like Americans really love it. Um, it's very American, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So it was a shorter episode, and uh, we we didn't really enter the void. We like danced around it and talked about other things. <laughs> <laughs> we entered the void, but we didn't talk about Enter the Void, the movie. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well. Um, Alrighty then. See you next time. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Bye.